isn't it helpful to have that reminder? You know, it's not as if that, you know, we're telling God who he is by singing those words, reminding ourselves of who God is and who it is that we follow. This way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, that is who he is. We need that reminder because this world is, is just nuts and the world will tell us uh, different things about uh, who God is and, and what the Bible says and, and who Jesus is. And we need this reminder often, not just through songs that we just sing, but also through the reading of scripture. That's where we're going to be today in the gospel of Mark this morning. Turn with me in your copy of God's word to Mark chapter 12 will be in verses 35 through 40. Mark 12, 35 through 40. The, the, the title of this message this morning is, is, Whose Son Is This? We need this reminder because there's a lot of uh, confusion, uh, intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, people don't understand not only who God is, but also who, who Jesus is and, and who he has been and who he continues to be. And, and so Jesus asked again the question of the scribes this morning. There's a saying that uh, goes like this. There's on a one blistering hot day when uh, a family had guests over for dinner the mother asked their four-year-old son to bless the table or to, to say grace. And the, the four-year-old says, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start. And um, the mother says, well, just say something that you've heard me say. And you see where this is going. And so the, the child is at the table and he bows his head and he mumbles, oh, Lord, why did I invite these people over on a hot day? like this. Whose child is this? Where did they get that from? And I'm sure if this were me, I mean, probably the, the parents are red in the face, uh, embarrassed, and I don't know where he would have gotten that from. And, well, Mom, you told me to say what you say. And uh, probably one of those times we would want to separate ourselves or disown, our, our, disown the child for what they have just said. But this is, we see this all the time, right? In our families, uh, with, with, especially with our children, right? They, they see and they hear what it is that we do and how it is that we, we act. And some, some of us operate on do, do as I say, not as I do. But that, that doesn't work. And, and so when we see our, our children or other family members take after some things that we have done or said, and people ask the question, Whose child is this? Like that they would say such a thing. They would act in such a way that they would uh, present themselves like it is that they do. In our, in our text, we've, we've been going through Mark and, and we've seen the scribes and the Pharisees put, put Jesus in a corner. They're asking a lot of questions to test him and to, uh, to get him to slip up and, and to make the crowd angry or find something they can charge him with. And Jesus, as he's wont to do, turns the tables on him, on them today. Looking at the Gospel of Mark, or in chapter 12, starting in verse 35. Here God's word reads, And Jesus taught in the temple. He said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? 
David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And when he was teaching, he says, be, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at, fe at the feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive a greater condemnation. Would you all join me in prayer at this time? Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, we just want to thank you for the preservation of your word that we're all able to gather together here both physically and virtually to open up your word and to hear you speak directly to us. Father, we, we thank you for that first and foremost. Thank you for sending your son who uh, was sent here and, and died, died for us on, on our behalf, who paid the penalty for us. Father, help us to see in your text this morning what, what it is that you would like for us to learn, how it is that you would speak directly uh, uh, to us in our own lives here today so that we may not only be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. Father, hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here we are in Mark's gospel. And if you're following along, right, you, this is what I mentioned a moment ago, uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, they're trying to paint Jesus in a corner. Jesus has just answered the question, if you were with us last week, about what is the greatest commandment. And before that, he, he schooled the religious leaders about um, who uh, authority that he's operating under. And he talks to them about paying taxes and the reality of the resurrection. Here, Jesus raises a question that he's already discussed with his disciples previously. If you remember this, when they're, uh, he's asking, well, who do people say that I am? And they respond. And here he's asking, uh, who is the Messiah of God? Is he the son of David or is he the Lord of David? What this question does, as a, a great teacher always does, is he, he's asking a question that is exposing the hearers of their own thought processes and what's going on. He's exposing them. This question, um, uh, these religious leaders, they've had all this training. And remember before they were saying, hey, we, we didn't give you this authority. So where did you get it from? Because we are the, the givers of this authority, typically. And who do you think you are? And if you remember from a few weeks ago when we were in verse 24, <laughs> Jesus straight up tells them, you, you have no idea what the scriptures are saying. You, you claim to be so learned. You want to be this religious leader amongst everybody, but you have no idea. Not only do you not know the scripture, but you don't even know who God is. You don't know the power of God. Frankly, he was telling them in so, not so many words is, 
you're, you're not even qualified for the job that you hold. You know people like that? And who are in this position. And like, how did you get to this job? <laughs> and, and, and they keep messing up, but somehow keep getting promoted. You seen this? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I just, just seen that there. But they weren't equipped to be teachers, these, these scribes, these Pharisees. They had no idea what the Old Testament and the rest of Scripture had to say about the Messiah. They, you know, they, they might have known it for head knowledge, but they didn't realize and understand what the, the Scriptures was all, uh, actually saying. So, so what I would like for you to get this morning, what I want to bring your attention to is very important. It's foundational to our Christian walk, what we call Christianity, the, the way, to being Christ followers, to be a disciple of Christ, is this. Jesus, the Christ, is David's son, and therefore he is human. Jesus the Christ who is David's son and therefore human. Look with me in verse 35. It says, Jesus taught in the temple. And here he says, how can the scribes say that uh, the Christ is the son of David? So he starts out by establishing that the Christ will be the son of David. Uh, they would come through the lineage. You remember at the beginning of you know Matthew and the other books, when we go through this genealogies, right, of all these people that we see uh, in the line before we get to Jesus. He was born of a virgin. He was a real person that walked uh, on the same earth that we walk on. This information was common and accepted, right? This is what the Jews expected, that the Messiah would come and it would be a man and he would be a king, a king and ruler over everyone. John 7 and 42 says, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So if David called his descendant, my Lord, then he was clearly more than, than just merely David's son. Right? So David himself is acknowledging, uh, yes, this is uh, my son to come, but at the same time saying that he's going to be more than just the son. So Jesus is using scripture to show that the Messiah would indeed be a human descendant of David, but so much more. And, and we see this taking place also in 2 Samuel verse 7. 2 Samuel 7, I'm sorry, verse 12, where it says, when your days are filled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offering after you, your offspring after you, who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him and with the rod of men, with the stripes of all the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. What we read from scripture, what we see um, throughout the old and into the new is that not only uh, would uh, the, the, the son uh, come and be here uh, a fully man, but also fully God, he would be divine. The son of David is also the Lord of David because of this. 
Again, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, fully man, and yet still fully God. Otherwise, what father would call his son or great-grandson his Lord? That would be odd. So we would have to ask the question then. So we, we know and understand that Jesus is fully human. But we also have to know and understand that he is also divine. Look in verse 36 of Mark 12. David himself and the Holy Spirit, he declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he, how is he his son? And a great throng heard him gladly. Jesus quotes from Psalm 110 here. Again, these religious leaders, these, these scribes, these Pharisees, uh, they knew they could recite the scripture. And so they would understand like, and, and this, is what, this is what baffles me when people talk about, oh, well, hey, Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus was just a, a good guy. He was a nice prophet because they don't understand the scripture, right? They would fit in the same bucket that, that Jesus put the, the scribes under. Not only do you not know the scripture, but you don't know the power of God. So here we have verses like this, and Jesus uses scripture to interpret what it, what it is is going on right then and there. Psalm 110, it says, uh, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies for your footstool. This particular verse was quoted in the New Testament 33 times. So it, it has some importance to it. And Jesus affirms that uh, of this Davidic Psalm, and he was, it said was inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is something that we see happen in Acts 1 and 16. It says, brothers, the scriptures have been fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. This does a great job of explaining how we got the Bible. So Jesus is doing a lot of things here all at once. And so he's, he's affirming you know, him coming as the Messiah and the Christ, uh, being the, the son of David, affirming that he is fully man, yet fully God. But also what he's doing is affirming the authority of scripture and the importance of it. There is, there is a reason here that he's bringing all these things and he's talking about how we got the Bible. It's the words that are written by men who were moved and empowered by the Holy Spirit to write this uniquely divine human book. It's amazing. And even for me, here, here we are in 2021, uh, we have this thing bound. We have, we have it on our, our phones and devices and tablets. We, we can get to scripture however we want to, whenever we want to. The fact that this word has been preserved is, is amazing to me, that we're able to pick it up and read it. We're able to know God. He speaks to us through his word. There's a saying that goes, if you want to hear God speak, read his word. And if you want to hear God speak out loud, read his word out loud. God is speaking to us. He, he, he's having a, a, a conversation. He's showing us all these things that are, that are left here for us in his word so that we might know him. 
Second Peter 1 and 21 says, For no prophecy has ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Praise God for this wonderful counselor that he comes and uh, he, he has given us this word and preserved it for us and even helps us even when we're reading to it. And we, a lot of times we don't understand and know this is a, written at a different time. How do I, how am I supposed to understand this? And, and, and the Holy Spirit helps us through the, the context. And he surrounds us with other brothers and sisters who are uh, studying these things and other theologians that can help us walk through what, what, what the people that was written to in those times to help us to understand what is going on. Also that we can get closer and have a better relationship with our God. Then he goes on into this next piece where he tells us, uh, gives us a warning. This warning starts in verse 38. It says, and in his teaching, he said, beware. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like uh, greetings in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Beware. One of the most dangerous vocations in life is being a theologian or a pastor. Uh, it's, it's certainly not a way to get rich, I'll tell you that. But in, in the same way, as you go in and, and, and uh, uh, not only receiving double honor, but also double judgment, it's tough to come and stand before you every week and um, with, with fear and trembling that I might misspeak and lead somebody astray, lead somebody uh, 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 the, the other way, and instead of leading them to, to Jesus, or they might think more of me than they think of the text is tough. And, and, and when, you, when, I, when I leave this platform every week and I go over here to pray, I am repenting for every wrong thing that I, I know I said and the things that I didn't know I said. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit just works and clears it all up so that you all might leave here knowing more about him. It is a, a serious thing that we've been charged with but uh, conversely, I probably shouldn't mention this, but um, it, it, it's the most dangerous place for you too. This is one of the most dangerous things that you can do every week is to come uh, to a church that, that, that preaches and teaches the gospel. Why do I say that? Because you are going to be held accountable for what it is that you hear, for what it is that you read. You can't get it. So if you're on the, the expressway and you get pulled over for going 160, you, you can't say, well, I didn't know. No, you knew. And, and the police officer, by the way, is like, you know good and well the speed limit is not 100. You know better. As we read through God's word and we're hearing how God um, has called us to act and to, to be as his people, as his children, we know better now. And so that should encourage us to do better. You see, brothers and sisters, each time that you are, uh, you hear God's word being taught, 
you become accountable to these words. You're, you're, you're required not only to be, again, not only to be hearers of the word, but also doers in the word. When Jesus opens up and tells us to beware, it tells us to, to see and to watch. It tells us to guard against these evil influences such as the scribes were. See, many of these scribes, they walked around um, with these, these long, elaborate robes, all white tassels, the whole nine. I mean, they, they stood out in a crowd. You can see them walking through, through even through the masses. Oh, here they come come to scribe. They wanted this. They wanted to stand out and to, you know, the, the Bible tells us to be set apart, but they, man, they took that to a, a whole nother level. They walked around with these flowing robes just so people can see how devout, devout and spiritual they were. They were, they wanted people to know like, hey, I'm, I'm the scholar. I'm the theologian. I'm the leader. You put some respect on my name. In the synagogues, there uh, were, were chests or their sacred, sacred scrolls inside. And so the, the bench nearest to the front, those were reserved for the, the leaders that were popular, the celebrities that will come in. And so that's the seats that they wanted. Like we, we were talking this morning, Lee, about the, 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 the back Baptists. They come and just sit in the back row. No, that's not how they operated. The leaders, they wanted to come in front. They wanted to come and be seen. They wanted to take the place of, of honor. It's very interesting. They, they insist on being a place of honor while Jesus very clearly says in Matthew 23 and 11, says the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Oh, they didn't hear that part. I've had the pleasure of uh, preaching at, and I grew up in a, in a black Baptist church and you know, they operate a little bit differently the way, the way we are accustomed to. Um, so they have uh, many of them, and I don't mean to generalize, but you know, many of them have, uh, you know, the, the pulpit and, and they come and they got these chairs and everything and you got the choir stand back there. But if you are a pastor, if you are a preacher and you come in, um, if they know it and they're familiar with you, you've got to come in and take a seat behind the pulpit. Because that, that is a place of honor, and, and, and I get it. You know, a man handling the word of God, like I said, is, is, is very, um, uh, is something that ought not to be played with. And it is very important for us to go and to have, uh, be able to do that and be an instrument of God. But it's really strange, let me tell you, to, to come and, and, and to sit in the, behind the pulpit and, and, and I'm not one of those guys has to be in the front or anything. And so it's just weird when I've gone to these churches and had to sit back behind the pulpit and, and understand that well, now I got to make sure my face is okay. Like if he says something that is, is not quite right, <laughs> I got to make sure that I don't show it. Because everybody's up there, back there seeing and looking at me. And so I get, man, it's strange. And, and I'm not saying that they necessarily want to, as some people do, they want to achieve that place of honor. They want to be seen. So they want to come and take their rightful place in the pulpit. If I go to somebody else's churches, I mean, unless I'm preaching, I, I, I would rather be a back row Baptist too. I just want to get fed. But here, here in the text, we have people that are similar. They are looking for that recognition. They want to be seen. They want to be heard as opposing to uh, being a servants, as opposed to um, uh, humbling themselves. 
verse 40, it tells us even more about what is happening with these scribes, with these Pharisees, what they're actually doing here in verse 40, it says, these people are devouring widows. They're devouring their houses for the pretense, making long prayers. They receive the greater condemnation because of this. What's happening is Jesus is exposing these greedy, unscrupulous practices of the scribes. And much like the charlatans that we see today, in addition to everything else, these scribes, they served as a kind of estate planners. <laughs> they're already crooked using the word of God, and now they're trying to be estate planners for these widows. And so they would take advantage of these poor women. When they would lose their husband and they're managing the estate and uh, the sales that are involved with that, and they would take a little or a lot of cut and give the widow meager money back. And then on top of that, they would try to, to flex with these long prayers. You know, again, going back to when I was growing up, I was really afraid to pray because in the churches that I grew up in, uh, these people, they did they, these long flowery prayers and we would be in prayer service and I was scared to go and I wouldn't say a word and I didn't want to go back again because I was afraid they were going to ask me to pray. And I don't pray like those folks because they, they would get started and say all these big words and, and just go on and it's supposed to be a 30 second prayer and they're going off for 5, 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, man, I don't even know what he's talking about no more. But it, it affected me in my prayer life because I was like, I, I can't, I don't, I don't know what they're saying. I don't know how they're saying it. And I can't do that. That was a detriment for me. That was a detriment for me in my prayer life. And I had to relearn all that. I had to understand like scriptures like this uh, tell these, they, they, they uh, were under pretense making these long prayers because as I got older, I went and went to talk to some of these people. I'm like, hey, man, um, I'm just curious. When we were praying, what, what exactly were you praying about? Oh, I was just being led by the Spirit, and I was just doing it. They didn't even know what they said. And that just that clicked for me. I'm like, wait a minute. This is not, this doesn't feel right to me. Praise God, I was able to get into a an actual uh, prayer service where people were authentically uh, speaking to God. They were lifting up things to God for, for him and thanking God for what, the way he's worked. And I could understand what they were talking about. I can, I can hear their heart and the, some of the anguish when things were going on in their lives and they were uh, just pouring it out to God. And then I got to see God work through those things. It was amazing for me, and it totally transformed. Let me tell you something. We talk about our prayer service every week. And if you if you come to a prayer service and, and you are able to hear old saints like, I shouldn't say old saints, but saints like Ernestine, Lee, Victor, others, you, you hear how they approach the throne of, of grace and pour out their love for God and their love for God's people, that'll, that'll teach you a lot of things. I am so grateful and indebted to folks like Miss Ernestine because she helped me to really transform my prayer life just by sitting in the same room with her, listening to her prayer, knowing that it wasn't a, it wasn't a show for her. 
This is something that she took very seriously and has spent years on her knees doing. That's why I urge you every week to join us for prayer service so that you can hear, uh, see kind of what it looks like. You can have it modeled for you. It's not this mysterious thing that is stressful. You, you come and you can listen in. And even if you came, you know, the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. If you just came to our prayer service and you just had a few words to say, just to thank God for waking me up this morning, man, that is good. God hears that. He honors that. So I encourage you to join us at 6.30 on Wednesday nights for our prayer service and be involved in that. But don't be like these guys. I would hate to hear anybody gets, gets into our prayer service and they, they're trying to show out and show how, how, how saintly they are because of their long, drawn-out prayers and their long, expensive robes. You know, you're talking about how uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they want to be saying they wore, they wore these ornate robes. I don't know. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with this, but if you're on Instagram, there is an Instagram account called uh, uh, Preachers and Sneakers. For those of you who are not informed, Instagram is a you know kind of a picture social me- uh, network. You you go and post pictures about various things, but this particular account it highlights preachers with um, not only expensive sneakers but just expensive clothes. And let me tell you, there's a lot of uh, so-called preachers and teachers. And they they got some mean footwear, man. That thousands of dollars in sneakers and shoes. Like wow. And, you know, there was one one guy I saw the other days. He's again, fanny packs are coming back, I guess. Remember fanny packs? But this guy had a $500 fanny pack. I'm like, bro, I don't have $5 to put in a fanny pack. But these guys, like, like we see in Scripture, and I don't know their hearts, but I don't know if that's helpful, right? I don't know if that's helpful for, for their congregation. What, what is that communicating to the folks in the pews when you've got $2,000 shoes on? And not just one pair, by the way. And the rest of your apparel, what is it that is being communicated? Or are we drawing attention to? Are we drawing attention to ourselves? Man, I would hate for you to leave and be thinking about me. I want you to be thinking about Christ and who he is when you leave here, not my, uh, my, my $15 shoes. So Jesus is telling us, beware. This is something that not only for these people of the day, but also for us now. It is so easy for you to, or for somebody to start a podcast or a YouTube channel and they claim to, to know something about something. They want to be an expert in whatever it is. Beware. Beware. Just because they say something and they're convicted by it, they're charismatic. And just because they, 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 they sound convincing doesn't mean that they're right especially when it comes to the scriptures. Be like the Bereans and go check that. Go check out what they said. Check out what I say. Don't take their words for it. Because brothers and sisters, God's judgment awaits all of us. Luke 12 and 48 says, everyone to whom much was given, to him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will be demanded the more. So for you to know what is right and not do it, it invites a harsher punishment. 
and judgment. The brother of James, the brother of Jesus, I'm sorry, in, in James 3, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There's a guy that, that asked me the other day, is like, hey, should I become a pastor? I'm like, what? Like, what kind of, how, why, how, how can we start there? And so we, we ask him more and more questions. And, and he's like, well, I don't, I'm not really jazzed about uh, the, all the preaching and stuff and all the teaching. I'm like, well, no, that, that means you shouldn't be a pastor. I mean, that's, that's kind of part of the job. If you're not driven to that, if you're not called to that, if you're not uh, excited about it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be bad. And we got preachers quitting all the time now. Because either they don't have the calling or they forgot the calling. So for those leaders who want to flaunt their trendy clothing and $1,000 sneakers while also abusing the less fortunate and, and, and provide false and empty worship, this wickedness, it will be judged and we judge harshly. Beware. Beware of who you're watching on TV. Beware of the books you read. Beware of the people that you're following. Beware of who you're quoting. Beware. When we understand who Jesus is, there's, there's no sitting on the fence. There's no, uh, well, maybe he's God, maybe he's not. No. You must either be for him or you're against him. And when you get to know the God of the Bible, you'll be held accountable for living the way he's called you to live and doing the things he called you to do. And if you choose to reject God, you choose to reject God's son, there will be one day where you will give an account for that. Why? Brothers and sisters, make sure you choose wisely. Beware. Be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. And you don't have to do this alone. That's, that's what's amazing. That is what's encouraging to me is that God has not called us to do these things and, and do it in a vacuum or do it alone. He, look at the people in this room. Go look at the numbers that are uh, assembled with us online. He's put us together as a body of believers so that we can be encouragement to one another. So the, the, when I want to stop, when I want to quit, I got people to say, remember your calling. Dr. Dan is here this morning, and he often does that, exactly that. Remember your calling. Not only do I have a calling on my life, but you do as well as followers of Christ. He's, he's uniquely placed you where you are each day of the week so that you can be a light to the world. So as we're closing today, if you have decided to be a Christ follower and this is something that you, you strive to do and we all mess up, remember uh, that we do have this body of believers that are here to encourage one another. Uh, be vulnerable, be open. Let us into your life so that we can help you in that endeavor. If you are with us here today, whether physically or virtually, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you have not committed your life to him, you don't even understand what that might look like, let's talk about that too. 
that that's part of my job. That's that comes along with the territory, right? So for so we can walk with you and help you to understand what Scripture says and what that looks like for you in your life as we go along. And people say, "Well, I don't I don't really think I need to do that. I'll I'll get around to it." You know, tomorrow's not promise, and eternity is at stake. There's huge repercussions for not deciding and deciding today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again. Thank you again for uh, providing so much to us. As we read through Scripture, uh, we get to know you. We get to know how uh, a good look at your character and and who you are. Uh, And through that, we get to know and understand your love for us. But Father, you also have given us some instruction. You've given us some warning, things that we should be looking out for so that we can know as we go through this life how we can follow you. How do we apply the word that we just read here today? How do we apply that to our own lives? And Father, we thank you for helping us today and understanding what that, what that means and what that looks like for us. Help us to have that on our minds each and every day, every moment, every second of the day, that we're having our minds on you and how that we, we can glorify you through uh, any, even the mundane things that we do each and every day. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. And if there's anybody under the sound of my voice here today that does not know you, Father, uh, we, I just ask for your moving in their hearts and that they would have the courage to, to, uh, to reach out to somebody in this particular body to, to ask how they can live for you, how they can uh, be a Christ follower and do what it is that you called us to do. Father, we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.